welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 2nd of September 2012, entitled Our Responsibility to Children, and the Bible reading is taken from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 32. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I guess the question has been asked in a couple of different ways this morning. You know, first of all, why Sunday school? Why bother with it? Uh, why is it important for us as a church that we have a Sunday school? Why is it important for these children to be in, in Sunday school? Uh, well, first of all, from the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 15, and I'd like to, to read beginning in uh, verse uh, 11. I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's Word, beginning in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, verse 11. A familiar story, and he said a certain man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto him his living. Not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. When he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. He went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. When he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. The son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. Well, this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found and they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. He said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. He was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. He answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. Father, thank you today for the blessing that these children have been to us already. Now, as we take just a few moments to look into your word, we pray, Lord, that you would take, speak to our hearts as only you can through the power of your spirit. In Christ's name we pray, amen. If you'd like to turn back in your Bibles, I'd just like to read another passage which has been referred to a couple of times this morning. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 18, Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 1, 
It says, at the same time, the disciples unto, at the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoso shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me. Whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe unto the world because of offenses. For it must needs be that offenses come, but woe to that man by whom the offense cometh. Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off and cast them from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. If thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. Cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones. For I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. For the Son of Man is come to save that which was lost. How think ye? If a man have an hundred sheep, and one of them be gone astray, doth he not leave the ninety and nine, and goeth into the mountains, and seeketh that which is gone astray? If so be that he find it, verily I say unto you, he rejoiceth more of that sheep than of the ninety and nine which went not astray. Even so, it is not the will of your Father which is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Just a little ways down in chapter 19, verses 13 to 15 says, Then were there brought unto him little children, and he should put his hands on them and pray, and the disciples rebuked him. But Jesus said, Suffer little children and forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them and departed thence. There's just a couple of things that uh, I want you to realize and, and recognize from, from this passage. And of course, what really in just a few moments, I just want to give you a few things. First of all, we have to realize, and we don't have time to turn to all of the passages, but the Word of God teaches us that these children are in heritage from the Lord. I heard somebody say something this past week which actually came from the mouth of a politician. And it was being used in a, in a worldly sense. And I thought as I heard that, I said, you know, wow, even, even in the world, people know some truths sometimes that ought to be so real to us as Christians, but basically he was talking about, you know, the greatest treasure that we have in this life is our family, our children. You know, yes, we want to have that, that heavenly home and that heavenly family, but there is nothing that is of more value to us than our family that we have in this life. We find in looking at the Scriptures that God loves the children with an immense love. 
We find in these passages, in both of them, one thing that you relate to in both of these is that in both the instances, when he gives us the story that we would most often call the prodigal son, we find that one of the great things that shines through in that story is that there was this child that had gone astray. It wasn't the perfect child. It wasn't the one that was doing everything like it ought to be. But the thing was, is that when that child returned, we see the rejoicing, the joy that was on that father that when he, when he saw him afar off, he went running to him. We find that here in our passage that we read from Matthew that he talks about the hundred sheep and the one that goes astray. That all the rejoicing that takes place because of that one that is brought back. You know, the Bible tells us many things that would allow us to recognize how much that each soul means to the Lord. What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? You know, sometimes I guess that the, the thought is that uh, there are so many riches and great things to be had in this world, but I say to you that one soul is worth more all of, all of that. One of these children's souls is worth more than all the riches that the world has out there. You see, the greatest thing, the greatest thing that we can give to them is that simple thing called love. And that's what we see so beautifully portrayed there in the story of the prodigal son. They need to know that somebody cares, that somebody loves them, and they need to know, most of all, that through us, how much Jesus Christ loves them. They're going to face some tough things in this life. There's going to be some difficult times to go through. But they need to know amidst all of that that somebody cares. I hope and pray that they will know that we care, that they will know that this church cares, that those teachers that stand before them cares, that this pastor cares. And above all that, I want them to know that Jesus cares about each and every one of them. Did you... You know that little account that he said about offending one of these little ones? That's a pretty graphic story. Matter of fact, he said that it'd be better for you. Now, these big millstones, uh, that was what they used to, to, to grind in the grinding mill, to grind that feet with. He said it would be better for you to have one of those millstones tied around your neck and be cast into the sea because you're not going to swim. <laughs> You're going to go straight to the bottom with that meal. He said, that's far better off, far better off than offending one of these little ones. And then he goes on, and, you know, that, that's some pretty graphic stuff there, and sometimes we kind of shun back from it. You know, the simple truth is, is that, you know, if it's your hand that's going to hurt, that's going to offend, that's going to be the cause of that, he said you'd be better off to cut your hand off to cut it off and, and, and to go in life maimed as a cripple. The same with the eye. You know, probably more, more than the hand and the eye, you know what most of us today do the greatest damage with? <laughs> da, 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 da. That little thing that most people can't see unless you stick it out called the tongue. The little things offend these little ones. And might, I might say that if you really study the Scriptures and you take it all, yes, he's literally, you can't deny that he's talking about these little ones. 
But I believe you'll find that it's just as important to those little ones in the faith. <laughs> Young Christians so many times are offended by those that ought to know better by that thing called the tongue. They need to be loved. I believe with all my heart that part of what God you know that that I believe there's no greater responsibility we have than to get the gospel. Even in that passage, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. These youngsters need more than anything in the world. There's a lot of preparation that's still before them, a lot of learning, a lot of training. But more than anything, they need Jesus to go through that. I want to give you just a few responsibilities because, you see, in all of this, I don't really have time to, to preach any of the sermon, but I'm saying to you, above all else, in these passages, we need to love them. They need to be loved, and it needs to come from the heart because, you know, kids know. I think sometimes they see through all the facade and the artificial stuff a lot more than, uh, than, than grown-ups do even. They listen. They take things literal. It's like I remember reading the story of the mom. Of course, some of you, man, time changes so quick. Who knows what percolated coffee is? You know, before these modern coffee makers, we used to have what was called percolators. And, I mean, you put the water in there and you put the hot water. It's sort of the same principle. It's just that instead of this hot water coming through and straight through all these grounds, it kept shooting up through there and back down through the grounds. That, that water kept percolating. And, and, I mean, I want to tell you something. There is something so wholesome and refreshing when you walk into a kitchen and you hear the coffee percolating and that aroma. Now, most of you know I'm, I love coffee, but I sure wish it tasted as good as it smells. Uh, I like the smell even better than the taste, and I do like it. But, but it reminded me of the, the mom and her little girl, and they were driving down the road in the car, and all of a sudden the little girl put her head over on her mom's chest. Her mom said, what in the world are you doing? She said, uh, I'm listening. I'm listening to see if I can hear Jesus in there. We all talk about Jesus coming into our hearts and Jesus being in our hearts. said, I, I wanted to see if I can hear Jesus in there. Her mom left her for a minute, and she said, well, what do you hear? She says, I'm not sure, but it sounds like coffee percolating. <laughs> we find the little boy that came home with a bad report card. And I, I remember you, we, used to, we used to get report cards from school every six weeks, and we had to bring those home, and the parents had to sign them, and we had to take them back. And uh, the little boy came home, and boy, he knew this was not what his dad was going to want to see. And so his dad looks at his report card in the sunset, and he's trying to figure out, how in the world am I going to get out of this? And uh, he looks at his dad, and he says, Dad, what do you think it is, Dad? Is it hereditary or is it the environment? <laughs> <laughs> the simple truth is, is that children listen to what we say, and they take what we say as being real. So we have an awesome responsibility of what they see in our lives, in our actions, and in the words that we speak. It's not just what they hear from their Sunday school teacher, but it's what they see from all of us. Now, with all that said, let me tell you that the Bible gives us some very distinct things, and I'll give these to you. As Christians, we have an awesome responsibility. We find one of them in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And in verse 7, 
It says, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. The words of God. You see, we have a responsibility to these children if we really love them. If we love them the way that Christ is portraying here, if we love them the way that Christ said that we best portray them and to protect them, and the Bible says we have a responsibility to teach them. But teaching is more than just words. We find that also in Proverbs 22. Again, another familiar passage. But in Proverbs chapter 22 and in verse 6, the Bible says, Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now that doesn't mean that they can't do anything wrong if you teach them everything that's right. But you've seen it, and I've seen it, not only in my own life, but in others' testimonies, that when you're taught those things, when the Word of God is put in your heart, if you choose to go away from that in life, you cannot get away from what's been put there. You can't get away from that training. It's been implanted within your heart, and you know when you're doing wrong, and the Holy Spirit will use that as conviction. We have responsibility, you see, how can they be held accountable if they're not even taught properly? We have a responsibility to teach them, to train them. But, you know, also we find in 2 Corinthians and in chapter 12, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, another responsibility that we have over the, over the children. And it's found there in verse 14. It says, Behold, the third time I am ready to come to you, and I will not be burdensome to you, for I seek not yours but you. For the children ought not to lay up for the parents, but the parents for the children. There's a great responsibility to pro pro provide for them. And you say, well, that's for just their own parents should take care of those needs. And yes, and a man that won't supply for his own house, the Bible says, is worse than an infidel. Yes. But that doesn't take us off the hook as the church because sometimes they don't have families that will do that. And sometimes the family's not doing that. And I'm saying that we have that responsibility to teach them and to train them and to provide for them when we see that there are needs there that need to be cared for. In Ephesians chapter 6 and in verse 4, the Bible says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture of an admonition of the Lord. They need to be nurtured. They need to be admonished. Yes, part of that is correction, and part of that is encouragement. It's teaching them the, the consequences of the wrong at the same time, the blessings of that which is right. Speaking the truth in love is our responsibility. So we find that, that we're to teach them, to train them, to provide for them, to nurture them. Notice what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and in verse 4. 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 4. One of the responsibilities that is placed upon a person that's going to serve the Lord, the bishop, is one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. We find many places we can look at many verses, especially in the Proverbs, that teach us the importance of the rod, of the discipline upon the child to correct the child. 
And of course, we said this morning, by the same token, if that's not, first of all, coming from love, then it's going to do more harm than good. But the love has got to be in place first. So I want to say to every one of these youngsters here today, we love you guys. We love you lots. And the thing is, is sometimes churches can't be bothered because how many of you worked real hard last week and made lots of money? So you didn't put a whole lot of money in the offering bag today? You did. All right. <laughs> Simple truth is a lot of people can't be bothered because you're not at an age yet to where some people, the only reason they're doing something is because of what they're going to get in return. They want their church to grow with people that can put something in the offering plate that can accomplish things. But you see, guys, we just want to love you. And we want to teach you and train you God's way. We want to nurture you and, 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 and show you the right way and the wrong way and the consequences of the wrong, but the blessings of the new. We want you to know not just how much we love you, but most of all, how much Jesus loved you when he died for you. And the truth is, truth is, we're not doing it because of what you can give to us. It's because of what Jesus can give to you. So I want you to know, and I want you to realize that your teachers don't get paid for teaching you. They don't do that from the love of their heart. And I want to tell you something else. If one of these bigger people, if they do something to hurt you, to harm you, you let this preacher know. And I'll deal with that big person, all right? <laughs> Jesus doesn't want you to be hurt. He wants you to be helped. At the same time, you've got to be willing to learn. And that's part of what this time together is here. We're here to worship. You learn. This is not the playground. It's not some place for us to, uh, uh, to actually to be talking and cutting up and chatting. It's a time to listen. We can't learn if we're not listening. Sometimes if we're too busy talking or doing something else, we miss it all. So you have responsibilities too, but we're here because we love you and we want you to be a part of it. And you know what? We want you to go and invite your friends and let your friends come so that we can love them and help them as well. All right? Just to all of you, before that we come to an end of our service this morning, you know, there's something else amazing about the passage. We're going to look more back at this passage tonight and some other things, but the Bible said in our reading there that Unless you come as one of these children, you can't enter into the kingdom as well. We think sometimes we've got it all figured out. Well, the simple truth is sometimes we got too much figured out. The reality is today is that whoever you are, whatever dose of religion that you've got, whatever good that you've done and bad that you've done and everything else, there's only one way, that's to come just as these children to humbly, you know, you got to learn to be prideful. Most kids, they'll tell you anything. <laughs> They're not embarrassed. They don't care. Matter of fact, they won't just tell it on them. They'll tell it on you as their parents as well. <laughs> it doesn't bother them. You know, they're just so honest. and They're so trusting. They're so trusting. I remember illustrating that one time with... Uh, my 25 or 26-year-old, or however old Tyler, Tyler is, 26 now, when he was just a, a little toddler uh, and, and stood him up on the platform up there. And he didn't know I was going to do it or anything about it. And I stood out here, and all I said was, jump. You know what he did? Jump. 
Never doubted for a second that dad was going to catch him. I wouldn't tell him to jump and then step out of the way and watch him splatter on the floor. Children trust until you give them a reason not to trust. Children love until you give them a reason not to love. But you know, today, you've just got to trust. You've got to trust Jesus Christ. You've got to trust him for yourself that what he did was sufficient for your salvation. You can't do it. There's nothing that you can do. Each and every one of us today, from the youngest child here to the oldest person here, we can only come just as we're going to sing three verses for our closing hymn of Just As I Am, without one plea. You know, it was Jesus that invited the children to come to him, to sit upon his knee. And Jesus is the one that has invited you to come as one of these children. Trust him. Trust him. Believe what he says. Put your faith in him. And trust him. We're all sinners. But what Jesus Christ did was sufficient for your sins. And he's willing to take care of those sins today if you'll come. Mm-hmm.